When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going, but there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S dot com. Betches Media presents. If you feel depressed and if you feel anxious and you feel confused, you know what? Welcome to the club. Gazpacho police. Oh my God. What a stupid son of a bitch. He believes that it's a woman's right, it's a woman's body, and it's her choice. The Betches Sup Podcast. Sayonara, sucker. Hello, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Millie Tamarez. And this is the Betches Sup Podcast, where C-SPAN meets the group chat, tell me process and laugh at the biggest topics in U.S. news and politics. Maybe I should have said uh, where C-SPAN meets Snapchat because we have some of our <laughs> our co-hosts are are flinching at my reference. <laughs> Today, our co-hosts are, we have Bridget Swartz is back and so is Camille Odom. She is our Betches office manager who makes sure that our office is in an acceptable state for visits from U.S. senators, which we happen to have had last week. And I feel like we haven't like touched in with the listeners since that. We just like threw that episode up with like no context, but. I was so excited. It was a great episode. It was a great episode. It was a great day. No, she was so nice, honestly. I feel like I used to hear her name all the time, especially Mm -hmm. growing up in New York. So actually getting to meet her in person, I'm like, oh, wow, she's actually as cool as I thought she was. I would say she's cooler. I thought she was cool, and she was way cooler in person, (laughs) way fun. Got her eyeliner and her lip, like her (laughs) lipstick game on check. I was, was saying before that like when we started our podcast studio can get really hot because you can't have the like AC on because the noise messes it up. She wasn't she wasn't breaking. She didn't even have a glisten. You didn't. <laughs> no. I my glasses were steaming up. I was like, <laughs> I'm not sure. For a moment, I was like, I'm not sure that we can do this. Because like as we were getting like going, I was like nervous. We were like, okay, we gotta just like get going so that we can use all the time. But if you listen to the episode, you know, like she really like loosened up and was like, all right, what else are we going to talk about? And we talked about yeah. a range of things from like from Pilates to abortion. <laughs> to Disney Plus. <laughs> no, yeah, yes. I feel like as a successful woman in politics, you can't let people see sweat. You got to keep it together mm-hmm. all the time. I wonder if mm-hmm. they, they all get like privately like a surgery when they get it. <laughs> <laughs> like, Remove the I sweat glands yeah. from my face. Yeah. What do people get so that they don't pee on the way to the Hamptons? Is it Botox for their bladder? <gasps> I think what? you're right. I think it is Botox. Is Botox for their bladder. Yeah. You never heard that pe- like rich people will get this surgery so that they don't have <laughs> oh to stop God. on the way to the from New York City to the Hamptons to pee? Is it for men and women? Yeah. Interesting. Ah, that wow. seems like I a service a that should talk. be provided to like long haul truckers as well right? as yeah. Manhattan elites. <laughs> no, long haul truckers should pee. Uh, <laughs> they need to pee and like rest. 
Also, like, most yeah. of them, and this is kind of the problem, I think like 90 or 89% of them are men. They're peeing on in the trucks. They're finding a place. Yeah. They're peeing. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Bottles, anything. Yeah. I'm so jealous. Bottles, though. everything. <laughs> have any of you ever – I feel like this happens in shows a lot, but have any of you ever – I've never had this – encountered a bottle or a cup of male urine? I feel like I've oh definitely God. seen one on the side of the road, 100%. <laughs> on the 100%. side of the road. Okay, I, my grandma, she used to like pee <laughs> in buckets because she didn't want to get yeah. up in the middle of the night to go pee. So when I would go see her, she used to like pee in like like reclaimed like butter containers or something. Or like, <laughs> yes. it's, it's pretty God. fucking gross, actually. <laughs> uh, but like that is, yeah, so I can't even be like men are gross. <sighs> Okay, but now I'm thinking about when we did all of those Hispanic Heritage Month interviews and you asked a bunch of elected officials, what's the weirdest thing you found in like a butter container? And your answer at the time was not my grandma's urine. <laughs> that, is not what you, yeah. that is not what you were saying to Joaquin Castro. <laughs> well, I was just like thinking in the context of like you open up the fridge yes. and you see, a, 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 a you know, I can't believe it's not butter, but it's sofrito inside. Right. But <laughs> or if you're saying I can't believe it's not butter, container on the edge of a bed you know some weird shit's in there anyway. imagine opening a butter container in the fridge of piss yeah, like God. what could this possibly be for also because no. I would just uh, frankly I would be like what is this melted butter doing here how has <laughs> oh my this God. butter <laughs> okay I think we're gonna <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, oh, yeah oh, no. some people need to p- pass a drug test uh, and fair fair, fair. <laughs> there you go and we, we used to get my friend's little sister's piss <laughs> but that's for another day. Yes. Fact, yeah. Okay. Oh man, week before Labor Day week is is a weird one. It's just going to be a weird one. <laughs> but before we get into some of our topics for today, Millie famously attended the MTV Video Music Awards yes. over the weekend. Dispatches highlights. Yeah, uh, I'm fried, dog. My Still, brain- <laughs> were, you your, were you on your feet the whole time? Yes. Or did you have like a seat? No, wait, oh. no, no, no. Well, well, so this is like the VMA day means like, wait, you know, get out of the house. I, I had to be in New Jersey by 11 a.m. for glam. I did not know And <laughs> then, um, yeah, so I had to leave my house at like, t- you know, 10 to get there by 11 to, you know, I was late, but to get there at 11. <laughs> um, so like really the day, like the red carpet no, didn't yeah. start until like five something. Yeah. And then, so by, but by five, we've already like done our makeup, checked in, took an Uber, did the COVID to all this stuff. And then, and then we started at five and from mm. five to eight, we're doing red carpet stuff. And yeah. then by eight, I'm fr- like by eight, yeah. I was dead. And then we're in there and then I was like able to sit, but then, you know, you're at a concert kind of. Right. So like if the one person. Like if one person gets up, you're like, oh shit! Now I can't see anything if I don't get up. So yeah. there was just some moments where it's like somebody was winning an award, and I'm like, guys, we can all sit down. Like we can all sit. Down. We don't need to get up for this, please. Um, it's like the State of the Union. It's just come on, let's stop. Yeah. Not every time. Let's just let's just all sit down. Yeah. Let's just so you saw down. Bad Bunny perform two nights in a row. Uh, um. Yes. Incredible. Incredible. Bad Bunny, really, he is, he's a super, like, just, like, Beyonce-level performance, I would say, if not, you know, more, you know, because there's that vulnerability uh, that Beyonce does not provide. Yeah. <laughs> Beyonce's great, but she's not, like, really sharing, like, it. this is so significant, you know, 
Because it is so mm-hmm. significant. Um, he's like only like the he's like one of very few Latin artists have been able to sell out Yankee Stadium, especially two wow. nights in a row. Um, so yeah. But and he's very hot. Um, <laughs> very hot. So, yeah, it was great. It was great. It was really cool. Lizzo said some really amazing things yeah. about voting. The mayor of Newark, which I thought was really cool. Um, we might see it, but like he's mm-hmm. he's starting this new initiative where like he invited all these artists from Newark, like these rappers and visual oh. artists and stuff. And he's starting this like they're doing like this project about like the other side of Newark and like all this rejuvenation stuff. So um I don't know. I thought it was really cool that the mayor did that. And there were some yeah. cool outfits. It was fun. Um, Wait, but you never told was- me who you were hugging on the red carpet. Oh yeah, well, it was also like all these people that I knew for like okay, I figure some my friend, but like dumb, I knew this guy um, who's a reporter at MTV and MTV News, Dometi Gotcha Paniego, and he's amazing. He's a great journalist, and he's he's just really fun. And we there did was just like a clip a- that Taylor posted in the background. I've never seen anybody so happy to see anybody as this man <laughs> was to see you, and I was like, Billy, who is this? <laughs> he was this guy. We did this like fun panel for MTV news like five years ago. And then he just, we've always kept in touch. So he's really cool. And also guys, you saw Khalid said, you're gorgeous. To yes. Me, so yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Looking you right uh, yeah, in the Nicole eyes. Nicole and Taylor Jackson like to say that it was them, but it was clearly to me. I think it was clearly <laughs> to you. They are gorgeous was. as well, but I think it was clearly directed at you. Obviously. I think we can take another point I want to make about the VMAs into our conversation, which is just going to be about kind of like how millennials and how women, I guess, specifically from the millennial Gen Z generation view politics and activism slightly differently. And Maybe this is related, but I will say that, you know, I went to bed early on Sunday and I was fully expecting to wake up to a viral clip I could post of Taylor Swift making a powerful statement on abortion rights. And I didn't have that. And she, you know, she, I I don't know why I really have come to expect this from her. I mean, she speaks out very strategically. I mean, on June 24th, she kind of quote tweeted Michelle Obama's uh, statement, but it's just like what is what does homegirl think she has to lose? And now I'm 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 wondering if maybe you know she timed her album announcement. The album's coming out mid October. Maybe she has something planned to activate around then when it's around the midterms. But I don't know. As a as a Swifty, I will describe myself as a Swifty. I really am. You know, I'll say I'm slightly disappointed. I want more from her. Well, I mean, she had that whole documentary about yeah. like becoming politically active and then it seems like as soon as the documentary was like out like we haven't seen her be politically active at all and now she's made an entire movie about it so she can't like claim that she can't speak out yeah we've seen how she goes about that calculus and the fact that i'm like so she's doing that with her in her head and her team and she's deciding not to speak out yet i don't know it just leaves a bad taste in my mouth y'all I'm not going to lie. I don't really follow her super closely in terms of her politics, but it doesn't really. Some people are not disappointed. Some people are like, I don't have any expectations. (laughs) But I guess I will say it doesn't really surprise me that she's not talking about like abortion rights, given that, you know, her fan base, I would say, is kind of like in that demographic who probably doesn't feel the same way that we feel about that. And I feel like in terms of like an artist that has to like sell and like, make numbers like I think she's trying to not alienate that very large part of her fan base and I wouldn't be surprised if she doesn't really take a strong stance either way on it I think I'm gonna have to disagree Mm -hmm. and say like 
60, what is it, 69, 70% of this country is pro-abortion rights. So maybe a, a, you're right that a big por- a portion of Taylor Swift's audience, but I feel like the moves, like, they probably wouldn't have enjoyed the Todrick Hall of it all either. You know what I mean? Like, she would have alienated it with, like, other things that she did. So it really doesn't make sense. But I will say that, like, just my little glimpse, you know, I'm in, you know, I work in entertainment. Obviously, we're in media. Um, but also, like, with comedy, I know a lot of comedians. But speaking with music people on the red carpet and, like, just asking, like, the most basic questions about, like, it would stop them. Like, it's just totally, different. Like, yeah. They're not thinking about things, like, in that way of, like, how can, you know, how, what they're doing. You know, I, I asked this one yeah. artist, like, what do you have to say? Like, you're, you know, you're, like, a Latino Gen Z artist that's, like, you know, I'm not going to name drop them, but they're, like, yeah. uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, just, like, like, you're not thinking about this, like, your mm. brand way. They're, like, oh, mm-hmm. just thinking about making music and vibes and stuff. Yeah. And, like, <laughs> I feel like that's, like, that's probably one aspect of it. But, like, the calculation and stuff is just, like, and to be honest, like Taylor Swift is a woman, but like we all know that like the reality of Roe v. Wade does not does not affect rich, incredibly rich white women. You know they're yeah. going to be able to get abortions no matter what. She has so, her private jet that she flies everywhere. <laughs> yeah, she goes. Listen, she got to go to get. A, she go to Seven Eleven get a pregnancy test. She'll get on that PJ. <laughs> so yeah, you know, like the reality yeah. of like Planet Planned Parenthood's closing and all that is not, and even still, like rich in New York City, like yeah, it's really not like an immediate threat for her. But I don't know. I'm always gonna say her like documentary about her being politically active was a documentary about her posting an Instagram yeah. post like yeah. two exactly. weeks before an election was like the lit and that's enough activism for today. <laughs> no, that like the entire time she like she's saying that like her team is telling her like don't become the chicks like don't don't mm-hmm. like be what they were and she's pushing back and being like no like that's fine that's what I want to do but like they have done way more than one Instagram post like they are speaking out on abortion and on Black Lives Matter and, like, are on tour having people walk out of their concerts. Yeah. They perform with Beyonce. Yeah. Yeah. The American Music yeah. yeah. And, like, sticking with it. Yeah. But the chicks actually said in a big concert, like, George Bush, you know. Yeah. Which, I yeah. don't know, this might be before the Gen Z's time. <laughs> before Donald Trump, and there was a man a named yeah. George Bush. And they paid a huge, huge price. You should listen mm. to the Dixie Chicks, um... Uh, you're wrong about episode, which really, you know, 30, 40 minutes and it goes into like everything that they lost about, you know, they lost a lot and, and it was were, really Yeah, bad they were in country. They're more like mainstream now, but they were in like country music. I guess yeah. it's like when we talk about billionaires and we're like, how much richer do you need to be? It's like, yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. There is a, I am not saying there's, Taylor Swift has nothing to lose. I think yeah. she has plenty to lose, but she can afford to lose it a million times over. So I, I don't know. I feel I just feel like I, I can't imagine I can't imagine not feeling a strong obligation in this moment with especially because I, I think when she did speak out, um, there were an insane amount of voter registrations in Tennessee. And Tennessee mm-hmm. has like a, a really gnarly ban. It's not okay. Yeah. Their it's so legislature bad. is I don't even know how to describe these animals in their legislature. Like <laughs> awful. Yeah, it's really bad. They're reading people's text and like wow. I also don't think, you know, it's on one end, it's like they're artists, we can't have these expectations, but like 
Olivia Rodrigo that same weekend, like at a concert with in in a different country that yes. doesn't have a portion, like addressed <laughs> like fifty thousand people, yeah. and we're just and named all the Supreme Court justices. Mm-hmm. Ariana Grande is always doing shit. Um, sharing Betches up posts. Yeah, sharing Betches <laughs> up posts. Megan The Stallion made mm-hmm. that Plan B song. Lotto made a song <laughs> called Pussy. Like it's not like uh, you know it's different demographics, but it's also like they're all like making yeah. risks too. Like Taylor, you can do yes. something. But maybe to yeah. your point, the demographics, maybe they matter more than Thank you're giving you. your credit. Because mm-hmm. everyone they address stand to be affected the most by the yeah. abortion bans. Taylor's fans, I don't know. Hey, American Fever Dream listeners. I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like, and Gift Mode instantly gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. Whether you need a Mother's Day gift for the quilter or a birthday present for the vintage hunter, there is something for everyone on Etsy. Some of the things I like to buy on Etsy have little dachshunds on them or are four dachshunds. Dottie's got a whole litany of new sweaters and harnesses and all kinds of fun stuff that we get lots of compliments on when we're out on walks. A gifting moment is always just around the corner, whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you. Gift Mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. We all know your hair and skin can sway your mood and impact your day in ways you can't underestimate. Sometimes what starts as a bad hair day quickly turns into a bad everything else day. I'd never found beauty products that really understood my needs, but ever since I switched to custom hair and skin routine with pros, I've noticed so many benefits healthier hair and skin. Yes, but beyond that too. Since I started using pros, I've noticed consistently healthy hair. Even with all I put it through with the heat tools and the hairsprays to get this pompadour sky high, it smells great, it looks fancy on the shelf, and I like that it has my name right on it. This formula is made for V. Pros is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do, from their in-depth consultation to their made-to-order model. From millions of possible formulas, only one is uniquely yours or mine. And Pros isn't just better for you. It's better for the planet. They're a certified B Corp, cruelty-free, and the first and only carbon-neutral custom beauty brand. They even have a review and refine tool, which learns from my feedback and adjusts my formula to keep up with the seasons and changes in my life. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin that they're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription at pros.com slash feverdream. So get your free consultation, then 50% off at pros.com slash feverdream. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash feverdream. We all dread the what should we have for dinner question. I mean, I know I do. I love a home-cooked meal, but I don't always have the time, energy, or groceries to make it happen. Being able to feast on a delicious meal without the long prep and cook times is what drew me to Home Chef over the other guys. Home Chef's meals are effortless, so I can spend less time trying to be Top Chef and more time watching it. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. Whether you prefer classic meal kits with pre-portioned ingredients and easy instructions, speedy recipes ready 
in less than 30 minutes. Oven-ready kits with pre-chopped ingredients or quick microwave meals that assemble in minutes. Home Chef has you covered for delicious meals without the hassle. Home Chef has over 30 options a week and serves a variety of dietary needs, so you never have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. For a limited time, Home Chef is offering our listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and of course, free shipping on your first box. Just go to homechef.com slash fever dream. That's homechef.com slash fever dream for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard that right. Homechef.com slash fever dream must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going. But there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S.com. And I think this brings us perfectly into the conversation we had planned for today is, you know, you just noted Taylor Swift's really measured, hopefully forthcoming, but in my view, in our view, delayed reaction to this. Taylor Swift is 32. She's a millennial with someone like Olivia Rodrigo, who is 19, who, you know, barely hesitated. Billie Eilish is really speaking out about this. I mean, of course, it's not everybody. It's mostly women who feel an obligation. And I should probably, you know, within all of this, recognize that I'm not making any demands of millennial male artists, uh, Mm. which is also just worth noting before we get into any of this. But I think what we wanted to kind of talk to, about today is like why some some millennials are a little bit more cautious in their activism. I feel like in the past kind of like year and a half, we've really seen just sort of like, especially with how TikTok has become a more dominant platform, that sort of pol- political activism with an edge is what Gen Z is here for, whether it's whether it's like refusing to stand Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden, or it's hacking mm-hmm. into certain systems to make them fail, to make laws fail. But I'm curious, Bridget and Camille, what do you think is the primary difference between how millennials view politics and how to achieve progressive ideas and how Gen Z views, you know, what it actually means to practice those progressive? There's something I read a couple weeks ago that I like haven't stopped thinking about, which is that Gen Z has never seen America at its best Mm. and millennials have like even Mm. even if like it was when millennials were like children and like couldn't vote. Like, they mm-hmm. remember before 9-11 and, like, a time when, like, we weren't in a war and, like, we didn't have a raging lunatic as a president yeah. and, mm-hmm. like, we weren't in a recession or, like, had college canceled over COVID. Yeah. yeah. So, like, I feel like maybe it's that part of it where it's, mm-hmm. like, I don't feel, like, loyal to any mm-hmm. system or, like, like. Yeah, have anything to point to that's like like yeah. if the constitution has never worked in my lifetime why <laughs> should i care about not changing no precisely <laughs> i think to your point like exactly like you 
that. Like our whole lives, I was like one when 9-11 happened. Then when I was eight, we had the crash. And then from when I was 11 until now, every news cycle I saw was like someone like me getting shot down, gunned down. Like it was, I've never felt safe. I've never felt like the system really worked for me, at least in the way that, you know, everyone older than me was telling me it was supposed to work. So I think like the main difference is like, our generation just doesn't really care about like the respectability politics of the of it all. Like it doesn't, it has no benefit to me. <laughs> like the things that, you know, you guys were promised like, oh, if you do X, Y, Z, then your life will be like this. We're like, huh, well, I've watched everyone older than me follow these rules. And yet I'm not really seeing the payoff at all. Right, no. Seems like you guys have lied to me. <laughs> I'm not really understanding. Um, so it's like, like you said, I don't feel like, like if the constitution isn't working, I'm not understanding <laughs> why right. we keep trying to revise this document. I think that millennials very much, like like you said, have seen like, oh, this can work. So I feel like they're very much in the process of we can revise it. We can make it better. We can keep it and just, you know, tweak this a little bit. But we're like, oh, actually, I think the whole thing sucks and we should just rethink mm-hmm. all of it. That's so interesting. Yeah, I, I feel like millennials maybe have sort of like it's so true that even though, how old was I? I think I was 12 when 9-11 happened. Mm-hmm. And I don't like have like really whimsical, joyful memories of before that, but you're right. Something does shift. And I think they're sort of like a collective, like millennials, like grief, maybe millennials have for losing that, that we're not, we haven't let go of yet. And we feel it's like when you keep like, when somebody, you know, keeps referencing somebody who died and it's like, okay, well, I don't, you know, I don't know that that sounds like her laugh. I, I wasn't around there. Like, I think we're overly attached to, uh, the, respect, the respectability part is really interesting, and it takes me into something I've been thinking about too, which is kind of stan culture. One thing I've noticed like fall really out of favor is kind of like standing female politicians specifically, especially ones that tend to fall short. Like we used to see mm. so much more like girl boss around Nancy Pelosi and Hillary Clinton and Kamala Harris, and there still is some stuff, but it's been interesting to notice that among slightly younger women – there doesn't seem to be the same, you know, feeling of obligation that I might have, for instance. And I'm curious if, if you feel it too, Millie, to kind of just like, okay, but but Kamala Harris is untouchable because she's like the first person to ever ascend to this. So like before you even criticize, you have to like consider <clears throat> all of that. I think there's just this like this, I don't know if it's, it's definitely an earned reverence, but I'm wondering like, where do you think that confidence to be more confrontational comes from? I think you already got to it, but how do you think that relates to like Stan culture? Yeah, I kind of feel like it's really difficult because I think that women, you know, Kamala's generation, Hillary's generation, for them to achieve success, women, Black people, Black men, queer people, for you to achieve some sort of success, like back in the days, you have to assimilate or try to, yeah, like emulate white male culture white male quote unquote professionalism you had to like anything that made you different mute those parts and really try to be as white male straight as possible so like party like the boys or like whatever like the you know what i mean be tough and also you know as a black politician it, we see we still see this with politicians like val demings or what you know um you have to perform and even eric adams like there's this whole thing about quote unquote electability where it's like you have to perform this like belief in the system as a black politician that white politicians don't have. Like Bernie Sanders can can be a politician and say, hey, I hate the police or whatever. But somebody like Val Demings is never going to get ahead 
if they're a black person that says, I hate the police, they're not going to win elections, you know? So it's like, it's like these, there are, there are concessions. And, and I feel that with Kamala too, of like, you have to make these sort sort of concessions, even in a way that Bill Clinton had to make with crime bill and all of that, of like making some concessions to, for people to take you seriously or whatever. And then we have this new generation, Gen Z millennials, I would say started with them. It's just like, oh, and this is like a cultural, a, a cultural thing. Even too, when you ask like Italian people that are boomers, like Italian Americans, and they're like, we never spoke Italian because our parents wanted to assimilate as much as possible to America. Mm-hmm. Whereas like now we're in this space where being different is what makes, you know, we are appreciating differences and like, we're not trying to emulate what you like. There are benefits to having a woman leader versus a male leader versus like they're the binary, you know, like gender is not even a thing anymore. So like, mm-hmm. I feel like we're reconciling all these people that are in leadership now who played the game, their game, and they like excelled at that game mm-hmm. versus like the standards of now of like, why are you even falling into that? Fuck yeah. that. Like, we don't need to be like trying to be as white male or like pretend not to cry or get emotional. Like sometimes in a meeting, we're going to cry or sometimes whatever. And like, that's just part of who we are and like appreciating differences. So I feel like those two things, it's like, I understand, like, I understand people saying like, yeah, like Kamala had to make concessions and just like as a as that I have to make as like a black woman in media or like in comedy or whatever, you have to make these concessions and you have to play the game and you have to do whatever you think is right at the time and then being charged like judged on standards that are acceptable today. And I feel but I also understand like the newer generations are like, dude, you fucking copped out like this and that, you know, so it is like and the the reality of what you're saying, Amanda, and what we've been all talking about is that we're just never going to judge white men, yes. straight white men or men in general in the same way. Like nobody cares that Obama passed this or that or whatever. They're not held to the same standard, you know? So that's also something we have to accept too. It's like all these like little complicated things. And of course, the first person who's getting the brunt of it is mm-hmm. always going to be a, a black woman. It's always going to be a woman. It's always going to be a queer person, a Puerto Rican You know what I mean? So yeah. that's just like the complicated, I hope I like complicated yes. nature of everything that's going on right now. <laughs> well, it's interesting because I think it sounds like the accommodations that somebody like Kamala Harris makes and that you talk about, they benefit people's individual ascent and that can trickle down, but it sounds like this relates to what Camille was saying, where it's like, we're not seeing the collective benefit that we were promised, that people were promised by assimilating and getting into yes. those areas of power. It's not working. Exactly. And I guess like that's where I struggle a lot with this like thought of like concessions having to be made, right? Because sure, yes, to get your foot in the door, if that's what you believe, sure, you may have to do these things, but it's like, what? what is your goal? Like, what... How does this benefit the people that you've made these concessions for? Like, as a voter, mm-hmm. as someone on the outside, it's very hard for me to determine what you actually believe. Like, this crime bill situation, like, even with Bill Clinton, it led to him saying black, young Black people are super predators, which led to us being incarcerated more, which led to all the issues that we have now. Like, so it's like, what, what is actually your end goal? Like, do you really have to make these concessions? Like, because it's like, it seems like you're doing it so you get to where you need to be. And then you get there, and I'm not really seeing, like, the payoff. So I just don't really understand. If that's how the game has to be mm-hmm. played, throw out the game. Like, that's how I feel. Yeah. yeah. I, like, I'm so of the belief that, like, white heteronormative patriarchy is the root of all of our problems. And, like... Obvi. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and, <laughs> like, if you have to play into that, 
to get elected, which is like kind of what Hillary Clinton's campaign did in 2016. Like I, she got the most votes, but she didn't win. She didn't get like the right votes in the right places. So it didn't work then. It didn't work when a record number of women ran for the Democratic primary in 2020. Like mm-hmm. none of them got elected. Even some of them tried to not play into that. Like Kirsten Gillibrand ran like a campaign that was very like, I am a woman running for president and I am a woman like running for women's issues. And that also didn't work. But at like a more state and local level, women seem to like, like women get elected more often. I feel like Mm -hmm. AOC is kind of an example of that. And it kind of being like, yeah, I'm a progressive woman. And like, that's who I am. That's who I'm going to be as a politician and like kind of forcing voters to like deal with it. Mm-hmm. And being like, I'm not going to play your game because the game doesn't work. And yes, it like hasn't gotten us anywhere. And by playing that, it's only perpetuating it for the next person who has to run. Exactly. Exactly. I feel like somebody has to be able to bite the bullet. Someone has to someone has to make that sacrifice for themselves. Like, I get it. You want to be in office because, you know, to me, it feels like you're lying to me a little bit. Like you're saying, oh, I need to do this thing to get in office so I can help you. But then once you get there, I haven't seen you do anything right. that helps me. So <laughs> totally. like you said, like, I well, feel like AOC's approach is probably the best, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is that, like, you know, everyone, there's still this thing about, like, electability and who can actually win and all that stuff. It's like this dichotomy, right? Because people want the most electable, quote unquote, and the most electable is the most non-controversial or the non-whatever, like, like middle ground. but when when politicians are in office, people expect politicians to pass things and to push things along and to change things and mm-hmm. to whatever. And those do not like reconcile with each other. You know, like like you can't have somebody who's quote unquote electable and is milk toast and like in the middle of the road and can gra- get as many people as possible. And while also having somebody who's gonna really push for change and you know, so that is kind of like there's not really a clear answer. That's just yeah. like kind of the problem that we're getting, you know, on the left yeah. with politics but I, right now. But I feel really, I think what makes me actually feel really hopeful is that I think that Gen Z can provide the critical mass to actually make those changes. Because before, you know, if it's just one person in the room, you know, as we're talking, just thinking about my experience, like in life and in my career as a white woman a millennial white woman who has always had access to white privilege and proximity to white male privilege. There is an instinct when you see, you know, people challenge that to think, oh, but they they punish us when we fight back because you do benefit from that. I don't want to say complicity, but sometimes it, it is in yeah. some cases you benefit from that proximity. And so to see when people challenge it, like I said, like when I see like Gen Z all biting back at some person that we've all perceived as good, but I'm like, oh no, that people are going to get too mad about that and then they'll punish us. And I think that with when you have an entire generation of people that are like, no, if, if it's all of us, they can't punish us. Like if we refuse, <laughs> right. we're punishing them. If we refuse to consume, you know, their products, like just the way that like even ad media is sold is like, mm. you have to make money. So you don't want to challenge certain brands. But then the past year with abortion rights, you have seen and a lot of people, I think I'm, I I keep distinguishing between Gen Z and millennials. And I think I just mean like Gen Z and everybody else, um, <laughs> including millennials. But this year, you know, you've seen reports come out that sometimes originate with really young people calling out that organizations that put out pride campaigns are also, you know, donating to this. So it's like, 
who are we trying not to like bother? You know, it's not actually benefiting us anymore. And that's why I feel hopeful is that finally, you know, the numbers will be, will be on our side and we'll give the people that have like been so cautious, hopefully like Taylor Swift. This is yeah. what I mean. The permission structure, like I really just can't imagine it can hurt her that much because, you know, certainly there are Gen Z, not to go specifically back to her, but yeah, that just makes me hopeful that like seeing that this generation isn't going to put up with it. I mean, it'll even happen in just sort of like micro ways as Bridget and I are working together. She'll approach something like in a really edgy confrontational way. And I'm just sort of like, oh, heavens, (laughs) can we do that? And I'm like, yeah, there's no reason we can't. There is no reason we can't. Yeah. A lot of us are somewhat hype on a lot of what the Biden administration has done in the past couple months, but it has been a low year. It has not Mm. been a good year for them. And I've personally struggled with, you know, how much to, you know, try to maintain their like trophy status and how much to challenge it until it just, Mm -hmm. like I said, once the numbers, they have, they have responded to criticism. So again, that's what makes me hopeful that like the critical mass, like I think that the student debt relief is a direct response to really progressive activism and insistence. And they did it. I agree with you. Yeah. That's the thing that is the difference between, you know, it's very easy to be like, oh, politics, there's no hope there. Everyone's the same. Democrats and Republicans are the same. Now, are Democrat, you know, are the like establishment Democrats like as progressive as people want? Because a progressive person would have been like immediately like responding to rope, but like whatever. But ultimately they, they do respond to criticism and they do. And I mean, I guess that's the whole point, right? Is like, people are like, well, just push, just push, just push. And in another way, like to acknowledge what Camille and Bridget have been saying, it's like, where would we be if we didn't have to push and criticize and use all that effort to get like the most basic things, you know? I guess also just like accepting that like the people who have the power to change things like are operating under these systems that like don't work, that like, <laughs> it feels like a hamster on a wheel sometimes. It's like, cause yeah. even if we were to get these super progressive people that were super active and like could get their thoughts across, they're still working with the system with people who are like, forgive me, like 65 years old right. who just don't understand the landscape that really we have. I know you tried to pick the oldest age and then like 65. <laughs> Is very, they're still sprightly. <laughs> they were born in the 90s. <laughs> no, yeah, really. Right. And something that um, you said earlier, man, I feel like the reason why like certain people just don't think outside of like how things are right now is fear. Like there's no real reason that we can't do these things. Right. Like I feel like I have these conversations with my dad a lot. He's a boomer. <laughs> like He's on the younger yeah. end of a boomer. And I feel like, you know, sometimes I say things he doesn't like so much. And I yeah. said that. I was like, he's a believer that, you know, we can reform the system. He's like, yes, I know it's bad. But I think that, you know, with time, if people just we get good people in there who have good intentions, like we can we don't have to scrap the whole thing. And I'm just like, give me one good reason why we can't scrap it. Mm. <laughs> and like I, I your excuses to me, it just sounds like fear. Like I'm not really hearing any real reasons why mm-hmm. we can't just start over. Um, Yeah, especially because like we've all been saying, these are the popular opinions. The numbers are on our side. And I think that people, you know, under 25 are the first people that have just sort of been brave enough to be like, come on, y'all. Like, really? (laughs) I feel like the like effect of like having like a younger generation making like all this noise about things and like imagining ways that the system can be better and not even necessarily always the younger generation. Like there are some like awesome nonprofits out there that Mm -hmm. like are making a ton of noise and like 
they're the people organizing all of these major protests, yeah. is that like if you imagine the most progressive solution to a problem and you push really hard for it and you like get a bunch of support behind it, the people who are like way more cautious and like determined to follow a system will move a little bit. Mm-hmm. And that's like a little <laughs> bit more than we had before. And then you just like keep doing it and keep mm-hmm. doing it. And it's exhausting. Yeah. But like. Yeah. yeah. I feel like there's like strength in numbers even too. Because when I think more about like the fear aspect, like putting myself in the lens of like a black person in America. Right. I think the last time, you know, a large group of black people got their really progressive ideas together, like thinking about the Black Panthers, it didn't really end super well for them. Like when I think about anyone who had a very like, loud voice, who was gaining a lot of traction, um, you know, kind of against the way the U.S. is run right now, I feel like there is a lot of pushback that I feel like, you know, I understand. Like I don't want to come off as like the Gen yeah. Z person. Who's like <laughs> I don't get why you guys just can't do this at the time that I want to. Like I fully understand. No, but you're weighing the pros and cons rationally and saying I still don't get it. Yeah, and you're right. I just feel like it is a different landscape than it was like 40 years ago. Like now there are so many other people on our side that do feel the exact same way we do. We have a lot more strength in numbers now and just people with privilege that feel the exact same way, you know, other people have been feeling for decades now. I just feel like right. you got to strike now. <laughs> like, I strike agree, now. totally. Yeah. Well, the, the Black Panthers is such a good example because at the time the Black Panthers were to many people a terrorist organization and all that. But they've started the free breakfast program that we still use in our school lunches today. You know what I mean? So like in a way, like what was radical 40 years ago is just based. And that's what you're that's what you're saying. And I feel like that's also like a criticism of Gen Z is that it's a, you know, a criticism of Gen Z by a lot of like leftist, you know, older people, different generations, Gen X, millennials and all that stuff is that sometimes Gen Z can show up and act like they're the first people to ever have thought of things or like, oh, yeah. hey, did you ever notice that this is sexist? And it's like, yes, we've all been saying this for many, many years. We already have eight nonprofits. Like, we're moving. And it's like, it's like, it's like girl, like, yes, you just showed up here. What's up? Yeah. But like, it's a balance of like, you know, exactly what you said, Bridget, which is like, it's a, it's a really, like, it's a reality that people don't realize it's not just like you're gonna you know which was like the whole thing with the taylor swift thing it's like i'm sorry taylor you're not gonna post one one post and like change an election you're gonna get a bunch of people to voter registrate or whatever but it is like unfortunately the unsexy part is slow and you got to keep the momentum keep the momentum people Mm -hmm. have been bitching about student loans for many many years i remember when i was a kid i saw mtv news did a, a special on student loan debt And like, look at what happened now, you know? And we got just a little bit and people are like, we need more, we need more. But it is that like push and that push and that push. And there have been so many people doing the work, you know, little by little. And then to have every generation be like, what the fuck? And I'm sure like, I'm sure Nancy Pelosi and I'm sure Kamala and I feel like all these people who were like, they were very radical that in their day. Now they're getting shit and they're like, you guys just got here. Like, you don't know, you know, but then, you know, so there's that, but then there's also an understanding of, the people who are in power now are the people who like, yeah, they don't want to lose a system that they're in power. You know, they, mm-hmm. they, they finally got their, you know, so it's like, it's all these things. That are yeah. super I think Nancy Pelosi happens to be, I feel like a good example, because I think that you can sort of like recognize and revere a lot of the 
compromises that these older women have made throughout their career, these quiet sacrifices that aren't sexy, that sometimes don't seem super ethical. And also like you can respect those and also recognize that it might be time for a transition, that the country's ready for a transition, that the culture is. And Nancy, this is, I mean, I don't know where the house is going to go, but even if Dems win, she's probably stepping down. There's going to be a new race for her leadership. There are some more diverse candidates candidates that are going for it. And I feel like that's sort of like what the frustration is, is just a feeling where it's like, okay, get out of the way. It's like not everything you did was bad, but it's like, come on, like you're not Mm -hmm. like, we need a literally like a new model. Like we can no longer update and fix this model. Like it's Mm -hmm. okay, girl, you're 80. (laughs) No, yeah. Sometimes I feel like, you know, the generations before us, they feel like they work so hard to get to where they are. Like you said that, you know, not to say they're like closing the door behind them, but I feel like they're not as open to being like, oh, come like now that I'm here now that I, you know, have this platform, here's a mic. I feel like they don't really do that as much as they could. Yeah, totally. And that's the difference in some people. Some people are like, I mean, that's just what you're going to find is there's some people are like, even with student loan shit, it's like, well, I paid my loan, so you can kill yourself <laughs> paying yours. And mm-hmm. it's like, or how about we make a better system? That's literally what's happening. And for all the criticism that the Biden administration got, um, they're, you know, they didn't cancel all student loans, but basically you're not going to pay more than 5% of your student loan and the minimum. And they like made it so like people weren't killing themselves. It's such a privileged point of view to say, if to be for some people to be like, oh, that's nothing. It's like for people that had Pell grants who were staring down a decade more yeah. to pay twenty grand. Like, I don't know, something. I mean, it's like you don't have to give Biden credit. I don't care about that, but just don't act like this was nothing. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh yeah. So I looked. I finally was able to get on the FAFSA website. I did have Pell grants. Nice. So your girl oh. got 18,900 and something 74 dollars wow. forgiven. Wow. Congratulations. Oh, there you go. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Congratulations to for being broke for having a <laughs> No, but yeah, like and now I'm like, "Oh, I still owe my private student loans which were mm-hmm, predatory right. and terrible." Same. But you know, I own only 6,000 for that. And I'm like, right. "Oh, Maybe I can maybe one day own something, own a condo or like what, you know, and that is exactly what you're saying, Amanda. It's like it does make a huge difference, but people are so. And also, again, when you're talking about AOC's policy, Camille, like AOC really put it in a way where it's like there are people that have no kids whose tax money is going to schools. There are people who don't have cars, me, whose tax money is going to making new roads. There are people who's like, I don't own a home, like, but I, but there's a tax credit that you get for being a first time home buyer. Like, so it's like, we're all collective, but it is the scarcity mindset yeah. that, you know, everyone's obsessed with, but it's like, we have more than enough to help everybody out in different ways. One time I was talking to somebody who called themselves a libertarian and they were like, I was like, well, you pay social security and you don't use that until you're old. They're like, but what if I die if I before I get Social Security? I'm like, then you won't need money, sir. And you will not need any money. To close this, because we are running long, but I am very curious. We, we mentioned this with Amanda Littman yesterday. Millennials and Gen Z, we make up, I think it's like 20 to 25% of the population, but only 7% of people in Congress. Because as we've touched on a lot, Congress is very old. I mean, I didn't really think about this until I saw this stat, but like, I feel like we don't see a ton of millennial representation in Congress, but 
Gen Z is reaching the age where people tend to run. Uh, do you think we're going to see some more people from your generation, some more people in their 20s start announcing in the next couple of years? Oh, my God. I actually just read an article today about Maxwell Frost. I think mm-hmm. he just won his primary yeah. in Florida. He's 25. Yeah. And his platform Amazing. is fantastic. Like I love everything <laughs> that I read so far <laughs> about his campaign. Like he, his background is in like grassroots organizing. Yeah. Um. So I think he's a perfect candidate right now, and a really good representation of our generation right now. And I really like how he goes about policy. I like that he's not so like pick a side. Like he's not like he's definitely on the Democratic ballot. But I like yeah. that he tries to meet people where they are because that's really how yeah. I feel like politics should be. I don't think we should alienate anyone like unless they have really terrible views right yeah. but i feel like you need to <laughs> yeah. of course but i feel like unless you need they're 50 percent of people yeah. exactly exactly but i feel like no one is really ever going to be on the same page until you can like speak their language like make them understand why this is important to you like he doesn't go around saying like oh how do you feel about like medicaid for all but he says hey do you feel like everyone has the right to be healthy and i think that is a great way to like introduce things because I feel like at the core, you know, most people <laughs> with sense want the same things, right? It's just we get into these semantic fights about how to go about it. But I feel like if you can really talk to people and really make them understand in their language what it is you're trying to do, we're we're at a great start. So I like totally, him. yeah. And interestingly, I think he was asked if he would like challenge Nancy Pelosi's like leadership or if he would vote ag- against her if she tried. And he said no. He's like, I respect everything she's done, and I. I don't know the exact quote, but he was like, she can stay there. She's great at her jobs. I feel like that's an interesting sort of like cherry on interesting thought on top of everything we've been like talking about where it's like there is a time for transition, but, you know, can be respectful about it. What about you, Bridget? Are you running for office? Yeah. I want to someday. Oh my God. But I don't know when or where or or what. That'd be great. I could never. The second I get overwhelmed, I'm like. Show me a bridge. Oh, yeah. I could never be a politician, I feel like. I get too angry. I'd be like, and this is why. (laughs) I I don't know what episode I'll look later. This is like an episode number like 700 or something. I've said too much. I've said too much (laughs) to be elected. We all have. Thank you both. This was so fun and interesting. Such a great conversation to have. I can't wait to have a similar one with you all again. Until the end of Democracy, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Millie Tamaris. And this is the Betches Up Podcast. Bye. The Betches Sup Podcast is produced by Amanda Duberman, Jorge Morales-Pico, and Sean Kilby. Editing by Jorge Morales-Pico. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Be sure to follow at Betches underscore Sup on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send us your emails to suppod at Betches.com. Betches.